Ricky Nixon. It is the chicken coop. Ricky Nixon, Tony Marks, how are you, Mr. Nixon? G'day, Marky. You should have seen Melissa dancing to that <laughs> music just then. Made it say... Yeah, she's got a bit of work to do. She's got a bit of work to do. She does. Oh, mate, I'll, I'll <laughs> up. That's that's your opinion. I'm not going to say anything about Melissa. She'll probably, <laughs> no, that's it. She'll probably clip me when she sees me. Hey, um, mate, how you been? How's your how's your week been, mate? You've had a lot happening. What's going on? Oh, look, it's been pretty good. I haven't been the Herald Sun front page for about 20 minutes, so yeah. <laughs> chicken goes bang. Chicken you know goes what, bang. The, the amount of people in the street who come up to me and just go, what a load of crap that newspaper is and what they write. And, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not being statistical, but I haven't had one person go, yeah, you idiot, what'd you do this time? It's always just what a load of crap it is, you know. And even I have someone who works at the Herald Sun who said to me, it's just not the place it used to be. I don't even like working here, but I have to do earn a living. Yeah, well, I think uh, news as a whole has changed, hasn't it? It's it's completely it has. different. And I mean, I think the thing that I realise is older people um, that I talk to, they now understand what clickbait means. Yep. And so do people who are subject to it too, you know. I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Wayne Carey and I had this discussion. We just don't, we couldn't give a crap about what they write. And neither does most of the people close to me. But whereas 10 years ago... It, it, you know, it just had a different effect. Yeah, well, I think 10 years ago too, you know, if, if somebody got hold of a story, they kept that yeah. story front page, mate, day after day after day. Now there's so much crap that gets basically put through the, the blender. That well, if you it, don't respond to them, it, yeah. so there's a new story two hours later because of 24-hour yeah. internet and social media and, you know, it's, it's not a great life to live by not people like me, but people who are, say, a current athlete, male or female, you know, it's not good and... You know, the stuff I say written about Mona Hope at the moment, you know, outraging the community because she's split up and then her partner responds and, you know, they lose these words all the time. They're just total clickbait crap. Yeah, I mean, no one gives a shit outside of no. the, uh, the people writing the stories, that's for sure. I just wonder why you'd want to grow up and be a journalist. I mean, what, what, what's the passion to be that these days when all you are is the scum of the earth? Look, mate, to be fair, I, I think that there are some people in certain organisations that still maintain that journalistic integrity. I just think that if you work in a publication that is that is on that 24-hour news cycle, you're looking for clicks, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, um, you know, there's even been stories that have been written about you recently where, you know, I, I spoke to you on the phone. I said, look, they have this little headline and you click on it just to see what it's got to say and there was yeah. nothing about that story. Yeah, correct. That's the one that featured it last week, I think it was, that people told me about. I mean, I wouldn't know what it said because I don't bother. But, you know, look, I, I'd have to say, too, look, I've got plenty of friends. In, I'm not saying every people, people in the media. I'm saying there's a certain aspect usually to do with a certain newspaper. But other media people do a great job. You know, they do great reporting. And there's some journalists out there that, you know, uh, in the what I'd call the older category, above, say, 50, who are old school. And I still get along with them really well. You do. Hey, um, how many of them have you belted? <laughs> Not too many, but I tell you what, the story that is worrying me at the moment is yeah. in 1991 in the most one of the most played back or watched uh, games of footy ever, St Kilda versus Geelong at Waverley Park in the first final. It was one of the greatest games of all time. Plugger kicked, I think, 10 and Billy Brown has kicked nine. I'm infamously known for a goal that came off my knee. I swear it came off my legs, a long swear it came off my knee. To find out today, police are conducting an investigation into whether it came off my knee. Now, that's going a bit too far, I think. Mate, that, I think, mate, they're, uh, they're, they're pushing their luck there a little bit, mate. Oh, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we had the uh, – we didn't have the coverage of the game. So, mate, you can't really go back to the video, can you? 
No, well, they reckon they've got 30,000 Geelong witnesses. But we've got about 55,000 St Kilda witnesses who said it came off my leg. Well, mate, I'd just, I, I just stick, with no, I'd stick with no comment, mate. That's the safest bet. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with that one. <laughs> oh, mate, you don't uh, get your name in the paper for kicking a point, do you? You do not. You do not. Hey, I mean, mate, what what are you and, you and Swanee been out and about this week? What's been happening? Yeah, look, we went down to Gormandale in Gippsland. It was actually great. He played with the youngest team I think he's ever played with. I think it was probably, seemed to me, like a, about four players were over 22, I reckon. But it was great to be at a club with young kids coming up. And uh, Hayfield was coached by a great player that I used to manage, Lee Brown, who came from famously from Fremantle and got him to North Melbourne and then got him to Collingwood. On the back of, I said, mate, I reckon I can get you a flag. And I knew that I, I, well, they won't win a flag, Collingwood. And they did in they 2010. Did. Mate, and, I, I remember, uh, I remember being at the the footy with uh, a mate of mine when Lee Brown had come over to the Pies. And, yeah. uh, mate, every time Lee Brown got the ball in that 2010 season, this mate of mine next to me would go, you're all heart, Lee Brown. <laughs> every, yeah. Every, yeah. every time I see the guy on TV, I can just hear that being said. You're well, that sounds silly, but when I saw him on Saturday, I forgot just how big a beast he is. He's just a really big man, you know. And, yeah. look, he's got the heart of gold, like, he came straight up and just hugged me, you know, and he's just, I, I just love people like that who just respect you back in, you know, life and everything else. And he's just a great man and the people at Hayfield love him and we had a beer afterwards, Swanee and him and I. And it was great to actually be with two Collingwood Premiership players, which is not hard, easy to do. do you no, say? That would have been, uh, that would have been a bit of a hoot for people around the area. Oh, look, definitely. There was a great crowd there. And, um, you know, this week we're going up to Shell Harbour, which is just out of Wollongong. So that's going to be interesting because it's not a predominantly AFL area, but lots of AFL fans there. Or when I say lots, some, you know, the usual Richmond, Collingwood, Carlton fans and everything are looking forward to it. And, you know, I know Shell Harbour's very excited. So we'll be up there. And the week after, we're off to Ellison, which is over near Port Lincoln in South Australia. So we've got a few frequent flyer points coming up, Swanee and I. I was going to say, you'd want to be getting a plane. You and Swanee would be fighting over the playlist in the Tarago, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, his music, his music uh, faves are a little bit different to mine, it's fair to say. Oh, I bet it is. Hey, um, speaking of the week in review, mate, some pretty pretty ugly stuff happened in local footy with a, um, you know, an ex... Um, uh, you used to look after him, didn't you, Cameron Cloak? Yeah, I did. And um, look, he's a good friend. And look, play. he played two weeks ago... Um, for Templestone against the Basin when Swanee was playing and they had that biggest crowd of the year out there and, you know, he's an absolute character and, you know, look, it's um, it's not good what's happened and, um, you know, I guess the person who threw the punch, the ball's in their court to apologise, etc. and as far as I'm aware, that hasn't happened but, um, you know, it's um, just, you know, see your dad lying on the ground knocked out by a punch to the head straight away. To young kids, you know, under sort of 12, it's not good and, the right. Templestone Footy Club have been great. Russ, the president out there. And, um, you know, tomorrow night I'm going out to Templestone Footy Club because I know a lot of people in the footy world know this, but I've got the only TGA, Therapeutic Goods Association, approved of, um, brain functionality testing machine. So this is all for local footy and netball clubs, soccer clubs. We're going to be going out and making sure that if someone gets concussed, they get tested straight away. And then they get tested again in, say, three, six months' time. And if there's any decline, we can refer them on to a neurologist. And Cam put his hand up today and said, Chicken, I want to lead the way in all of this. I want to show everyone in the footy world and netball world and everywhere that, you know, you've got to get tested so that down the track, if anything happens where you start to lose your health, there's actual proof that it's related back to this incident. 
Mate, um, it was a pretty nasty thing. I, the the footage I saw was a little grainy. It's clearly off in the distance, but there's no mistaking. You know, one bloke seemed to just sort of kind of like, you know, fence him in a little bit, while the other bloke yep. just turned around and just blindsided him, just mate, hit him overhand yep. right, straight on the side of his chin, dropped him, and um, you know, pretty much anywhere else, that's a dog act, mate. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it is, and the fact that you know the player received ten weeks, I—it's just my personal comment that I think that's not appropriate. I think it should have been the rest of the season, yeah, if not more. And then to have it reduced to eight, and then to find out yesterday he used to work for the actual league that this was played in, does make it a fairly big conflict of interest too. So, you know, I think it needs to be heard by an independent tribunal type situation to be honest because of the situation so yeah um so I, look i hope it gets worked out to everyone's benefit um i hope the player apologizes i hope that uh, cam can get on with his life without having any health issues and most of all i don't want you know his kids he had to retire and he just doesn't want to see his kids go through this again because he has been concussed several times before mate is this a situation where you know don't you think that you know if this is where you want leadership in the the football clubs at grassroots to take a leadership position in stamping this kind of crap out, right? Because we've talked about this sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. This yep. sort of thing is what's kept, you know, when, when you got, we've talked about it, when you got, you know, like soccer, basketball, golf, tennis, when you got all these other options, it's this kind of crap that keeps parents from bringing their kids into football. So shouldn't, yeah, well, shouldn't the, well, the, the leadership at the football club in question regardless of whatever tribunal rulings are had, that they should turn around and go, you know what, mate, this is unacceptable and we're going to impose our own club-level ban? Well, I think, you know, to be honest, that's a really good idea. And one of the problems with all this too is there's, there's no plan. There's plan in place read protocols for players who are concussed. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that there's testing leading to neurologists looking at these people and trying to help them at early stages in their life. And that's what we're doing starting tomorrow night and um, at Temple Stowe Footy Club. And whilst we have been out to some football clubs already, this will be the first public time. And, um, you know, we want to make sure that there is a plan in place that if you are concussed, you get medical help. Now, it's okay for the AFL, and I'm not criticising them, and leagues and that to have protocols about cunt returning to play. But that's not medical attention, which is what you need. No. And um, this is a big step forward in the game. And, you know, I hear what you're saying too. The clubs need to play a part. Um, and, you know, I'm working in cooperation with clubs and Temple So has been great. I spoke to Russell, the president, today. And, um, this isn't about legal cases. This, this is about helping to make sure we do the best for anyone who's concussed. Yeah, it's. I mean, also, you've got to preserve the integrity of the game. You know, once, oh, once, once upon yep. a time, you know, People were smoking cigarettes in the change rooms at halftime. And, you know, it was a pretty normal thing, even when I played a little bit of junior football and, you know, won my Lightning Premiership at Croydon North under 10s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can look that up on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, mate, uh, unfortunately it was a little bit before that time. But, but mate, back in those days, you know, you, mate, you'd be standing in the back pocket and you just, mate, the ball's up the other end of the ground and you cop one in the back of the head. You know, and that, oh, was, look, and that was part of the game David, back then. Yeah, David Cloak, who's a good friend of mine and obviously Cam's father and a legend of the game, him and I spoke today and I'm not going to divulge the confidentiality of what we spoke about, but he made the comment that you can't compare to yesterday's game because back then 
you know, it was acceptable, I suppose. It's not acceptable today. And we've known that for more than one week. We've known that for probably the best part of 10 or more years that it's not acceptable today. And, you know, with cameras everywhere, um, you'd be foolish to do something like that. So you would. But yeah. also, too, you, you once upon a time you walked on the football field and yep. you had an understanding that there were certain implications to particular actions, you know? And so, yeah, it's, you know, yep. if you go on the ground knowing that, you know, if I gob off or I, you know, I get into somebody too hard, you know, you know, mate, everyone's, everyone who's played football's had somebody on them that's turned around and gone, mate, do that to me one more time, I'm going to belt yeah. you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, and look, I just wish Cam the best and his family and, uh, you know, hopefully we can kickstart tomorrow uh, a plan going forward for everybody in, in sport who gets concussed. Absolutely. Well, we, we're sending our, um, our, our our highest regards to, to Cam and um, and his family. Hope uh, that he recovers quickly and um, and hope the uh, person involved puts their hand up, stands up, and actually this is a chance to to actually do something to turn this around. Because um, and you know, look, you know, I'll be first. We all we all make mistakes, and I think if he came forward and said it, I shouldn't have done it. I want to apologise. I think that would be a big step forward for the Baronia captain. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that that would be leadership being shown. Hey, um, mate, just yeah, we won't go through them in detail, but mate, just in regards to the the week that was round nine, mate, the uh, some of the results are just ridiculous. Uh, what is there? Oh. One, two, three, four, five, six, um, six teams have basically blown out by over forty five points with uh, about yeah. three. Sitting around about 65, 70 point victories. That makes. Oh, look, I, uh, you uh, compare the first couple of games, you know, how Collingwood played and St Kilda, and you compare that to the games last two weekends, it's just chalk and cheese. And I, I'd hate to think if we're going into this whole another 10 rounds of this whole pressure, pressure, go around in circles. I challenge media at the press conference on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, whenever it is, ask the coach simple two questions. How do you think you coach today? I've never seen anyone ask that. Yeah. And ask this question. Can you tell us what your game plan's about? Because it's gone from scoring 130 points to scoring 40. So what are you trying to achieve that us as spectators and us as the media or us as football followers, we'd like to know exactly what you are trying to achieve here. Yep. Because the game is meant to be entertaining, and it's not at the moment. It's not. But, I mean, those results are, are suggesting that we're, we're – getting a fairly large divide between the sort of the, the haves and the have-nots in terms of skill and um, and outcome. Yeah, look, I just think that the kicking for goal is just terrible. And, you know, I question most clubs have goal-kicking, uh, or not goal-kicking, kicking coaches. I'd like to, want, love to know what they do each week. They must just sit there and twiddle their thumbs because it's not improving, it's getting worse. So... In today's 100% professional football, where players are getting, like, average player, $400,000, you know, to keep missing goals from 20 metres out. Look, I could accept you can miss a goal. We've all missed them. But you don't continually miss them. Um, you know, there's a cert- there's certain players in the game, leaders of their clubs, that have kicked one goal for the season. You yeah. know, it's just good. Yeah, well, I mean, what have we got? In in terms of the the real big blowouts, Port Adelaide one hundred and thirty five to Kangaroos sixty five. That's a seventy point margin. Yeah, yep. Um, I'm not even going to bother with the fifty point games. And then yeah. you've got um, Collingwood one hundred and twenty to fifty five against the GWS. Yep. 
And who else have we got? Um, there's one more. West Coast Eagles and the Suns. The Suns give the West Coast a clipping, 113 to 43, 70 points. Yep. And look, you know, I've heard all the excuses for West Coast Eagles under the sun, but at the end of the day, you've still got a professional list of players and it's not heading in a great direction, that's for sure. Mate, it's not too often that I can remember there's been three, you know, 10, yeah. 12 goal victories in a week and then there's two or three 50 points. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, look, I, I just hope it certainly steps up this weekend. There's some good matchups. You know, Collingwood-Carlton will be an interesting game. Uh, you know, there's plenty of others that are as well. So let's hope that they produce on the field. You got Collingwood or the Blues this weekend? Uh, I think if anything, it's Collingwood and people go, I'm anti-Collingwood and everything else. I think they've been the best team by far this year so far, although Port Adelaide are creeping up quickly and so are Brisbane Lions. But, um, you know, I think they're probably due for a bad one and it could be this week. And Carlton are due to probably do the exact opposite of how they've been playing. So it's just one of those games. It would not surprise me if Carlton got up. If Collingwood gets up, well, you just keep saying they're the best team in the comp at the moment. But it would not surprise me if Carlton win. Speaking of these 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 teams, Michael Voss, mate, how are you rating his year so far as a coach? Just regardless of results, I mean, are you seeing something that he's bringing to that club that shows you that there's a that there's a future for this style of football? Oh, look, I, I'm a Michael Voss fan. I'm a believer in him. I thought the best thing I've seen about Michael Voss this year is, is Patrick Cripps' press conference two days ago. I thought he spoke exceptionally well when he said, um, we, we we intend to make finals this year. Um, we think we've improved each year in the last three years. Um, we certainly know, think we've improved under Michael Voss. We had our opportunities on the weekend. We didn't take them. We've got to start taking them. Simple as that. So... This weekend, start taking them. And if they do, the whole attitude on Michael Voss will change quickly, won't it? Yeah, you'd it's think It's just so. like Damien Hardwick. You know, two weeks ago, everyone wanted him sacked. Now, oh, you know, oh, Jason, what a great way of turning the club around. Yeah, well, I mean, then, you know, obviously another new coach, Brad Scott with the Bombers, mate, they, they kicked 45 points for the for the game. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, um, no, that was, wasn't good. And, um, and Clarkson at the Kangaroos. You know... There's, you know, there's talk about this whole sort of saga that's going on between him and the Hawthorne Football Club. Um, you know, if you listen to Carolyn Wilson, whatever else, you know, they're they're yeah. implying that um, that there's bad blood between he and um, Sam Mitchell. Yep. Um, uh, look, you know, I, I think that a lot of that, I think people shouldn't read too much into. That's just an opinion, and it's not based on Sam coming out or Alistair coming out, coming out and saying anything like that. The survivors, Alistair. Um, I can understand why he would be disappointed with some things that Hawthorne have done. And at the same time, Sam has to support the club that he coaches at. He's not going to bag his own club. So yep. the big thing I'm, is I really think Chris Fagan is a very genuine, great bloke. Um, yes, I'm privy to a bit of what's going on with all of this, and I have been for a long time. And it's as simple as this. is Don't go to mediation because mediation is an admittance of some form of guilt. If you have not done anything wrong and you believe you haven't done anything wrong, then forget mediation. Forget it. Yep, that's fair too. I got to say that um, you know the the interviews that I watched that had Caro in them. As I was watching it, I'm I'm listening and I'm thinking, you know, if this was a court of law, I mean, none of what she's saying would be admissible because everything was hearsay. It was all she heard yep. from this person and heard from, there was no direct source. You know, there was you know yep. there was there was nothing out out front. That was like hard and fast thing that was being talked about. It was all 
hearing whispers. It was all second, third, fourth hand stuff. So, yeah, um, you yep. know, it, and um, also whispers can be just based on someone's, you know, the way they looked that day or the way they responded to something. They create a story out of it, and you know, it's well known in the industry for a long time that Wilson's just been a clickbait. You know, rat about it all, and you know nothing's really changed. I've and Kane Corns is starting to take over as their apprentice. You know, and so yeah. I think you know Kane's Kane needs to be careful. As I said, he's a friend, and I'm, I'm not hiding on these comments from him. Is I think he just needs to pull his head in a bit and focus on what he's really good at, and that's professional comments on having played the game before. Yeah, well, I mean, look, let's face it, Kane's got a fucking head for radio, right? So he's <laughs> got he's got to do something to um. You know, to oh, get... look, I can understand how perhaps because of the, the stories he's writing gets huge response and that yeah. sometimes gives you a thrill and thinks you're popular and all those sort of things. But is it really what the genuine footy people want to see from Kane? I don't think so. But anyway, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. well, look, I mean, look, I think, um, you know, it's it's a it's a classic position to take. You know, it's it's almost like playing the heel or playing the villain. You know, it's yeah, it's almost like a character. From everything I've heard, you know, the any person that I've known always thought that he was a really good bloke. He seems like he probably is behind the scenes. But, oh, look, um, he is. He is, Kane. And, um, you know, as I said, my criticism is just of his comments. It's not of him yep. as a person or his ability to play the game, even though Swanee disagrees with me. I think Swanee's just been his usual sarcastic self. Um, I think <laughs> deep down, Swanee rates him as well. So, yep. yeah, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, um, mate, something else that's been, um, you know, another real legend of the game now, Scott Pendlebury has had a bit to say. He's talking about the kind of money that players are making, and he was actually talking about the fact that uh, this is the only sport that he knows of in the world that played at this level where the administration of the sport are paid more than the players. Um, <laughs> well, it, it, so it was a very honest and correct point. And, um, um, Marcy, I just so you know, I want to save this for tomorrow night, the big deals and how they're created and all that sort of thing. But just yep. to make a quick comment on what Pendles has said is, He's saying that the Dustin Martins and the, you know, the Patrick Cripps of this world, Nick Dacos, who he mentioned, should be paid a hell of a lot more. And I 100% agree with him because back in 2000, which is 23 years ago, Wayne Carey was earning $1.5 million. Dustin Martin is earning similar to that amount now as the highest paid player in the game. I mean, he's 23 years later with the game with, um, you know, things like internet rights now, KO and all these. And the amount of money coming into the game has been wasted on other stuff and not spent on the big-name players who deserve it. I mean, most of them don't even leave their house these days because they just get hounded and driven mad. And, you know, it's something that we're going to talk about tomorrow night when we talk yeah. about big deals. Yeah. And just, just you know, to, to sort of um, put a little bit of a, a button on that, that subject before we um, we call it for the night, but in relation, 1.5 million carriers getting paid in 2000, Medium yep. price around the country for a house back then is three hundred and twelve grand. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. And what's the medium price now? You know, uh, medium the price now is, it's, it's about a million dollars. Yeah, there you go. So yep. you know what I mean? Like you're talking about, you know, what is it? What twenty percent of his annual yep. wage could buy a house versus you know what seventy percent? You know. Yep. And uh, just to clear clarified to that one point five million, that wasn't one point five million for playing. That was one point five million in totality of endorsements media deals and playing yep. and the same with Dustin's situation or for that matter Nick you look at Nick Dacos he's on 250 grand now okay he's crept up quicker than any player in the last 10 years and um, you know knowing he's out of that contract which I think's the end of this year 
well, he can obviously negotiate a long-term deal that based around his performance a bit more, which I'm sure his agent will do. Yeah, I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to do okay in the next round of negotiations. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it, well, it was like Wayne Carey, you know, back in the day. I just walk in and they go, how much do you want? And I go, as much as I've just stuck on the bit of paper in front of you and pay it or else. You know, <laughs> and, you know, it's a bit egotistical or not even that, but you've got to, you know, when you're in a unique position with the best player in the game. Yeah, mate. And well, Nick's, Nick's yeah. arguably around that mark. Well, his agent's got a big advantage. Well, they say... Smoke them if you've got them, eh, Ricky? <laughs> On your marks, See you tomorrow night, buddy. Have a good night, everyone.